0: we've got James s James SS is it?
1: It is. Yes. Hello.
0: Hello, James. How are you doing?
1: Very well. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, you're, you're very, very welcome. So tell me what are we going to be talking about today? Because I saw you on, on trigonometry and your case is pretty uh, bonkers. Do you want to we just go right into it?
1: Yeah. Yeah, let's let's talk about the case. And then we can talk about the issues surrounding it. Yeah, in in a nutshell, I was, uh, I was expelled from my master's degree in psychotherapy after I raised concerns about the medicalisation of children with with gender dysphoria.
0: Mm. Yeah, that is the nutshell, isn't it? Okay, and what I mean, what did you actually do and say who were you raising the issues to?
1: Well, I've been volunteering as a, as a children's counsellor at a charity called Childline in the UK. And I was coming across more and more children saying they were trapped in the wrong bodies. And I was concerned by this and I thought I need to research into this. And I became shocked with what I was seeing, these medical pathways we were putting children down. So I I started speaking out, I wrote some articles, I wrote an article actually for Quilles, um, funnily enough. And I also started <laughs> a petition to the UK government Saying to them, please safeguard therapy for children. Um, don't just push them down the medical pathway. And that seemed to be enough to get me kicked off the course.
0: Well, and how did that happen then? So, you, so you'd what sent off an email, and then the next thing you knew, what what had happened?
1: Yeah, so I got an email from the from the deputy chief executive officer on a Wednesday. This is May of last year, saying there had been some complaints about what I'd been saying and they asked if I'd come in for a conversation. I responded saying, of of course I will, although I'm not sure what I've done wrong. Uh, And they responded saying, there's absolutely nothing to be anxious or concerned about. It's just a chat, just an informal chat. So we we set up a meeting for two days later and the very next day, uh, an email dropped into my inbox and the title of that email was termination of contract. It was a two paragraph email, and I was told that I was being expelled with immediate effect for bringing the profession into disrepute was the word
0: did your heart drop?
1: I mean everything literally dropped i was I was in a mess on the floor. I was like inconsolable because I'd spent tens of thousands of pounds on this course. I was just about to set up a private practice as a therapist. I was three years into the course. And to receive an email like that out of the blue and i went to respond to the email immediately because i thought they must have made some terrible mistake I'll, I'll message them and then you know this will all get resolved and i discovered that they had already blocked my uh, my university email account within minutes of having sent me the email
0: was there another way to get in touch with them
1: well i thought i might check out their, their twitter page, maybe message them on that. But I discovered that the same day they publicized my expulsion on their Twitter account and put out what they called a statement of solidarity with the LGBT community, just to stick the boot in an extra bit.
0: So, so had you, aside from sort of raising complaints internally, had you been sort of putting stuff out on on social media and things like that about, about the whole uh, trans ideology?
1: A bit of Twitter, a few articles, this government petition, a couple of podcasts. and I joined with another group of therapists, like-minded therapists, um, to, to spread awareness about these issues. Really, but I, I didn't believe that what I was saying was particularly controversial. I mean, it, what I was saying was, sex is binary and immutable, uh, and by the way, we shouldn't be pushing children down irreversible, experimental medical pathways.
0: It's funny, isn't it? Because because there did seem to be a like. I don't know if it was a year ago, as you, or or. or i suppose even six months ago when this when this was it six months ago is this right is that right seven months Last. Ago. May, so, okay so yeah a year and a half ago this was if it, it feels like we were in the peak of that kind of hysteria and then mm. we had that um was it what was it called tavistock uh got got closed down and then yes. suddenly people would talk to the fellow who wrote um the irish father ted uh again and he was allowed back into the mainstream, and that kind of thing. Did you, have you noticed sort of pe- like the the uh, climate around trans ideology or, or or that kind of thing changing and going back and forward?
1: It's fluctuating. You know, I still remember a number of months ago when Boris Johnson, who was prime minister at the time, came out in an interview and said there are differences between men and women. And as pathetic as it sounds, that felt like a big moment. But I mean, it's 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 very telling that that was a big moment, you know, in our society. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think the political landscape's changed a bit, the media landscape has changed a bit, but but the general narrative not not so much. And there's a lot of militant activists pushing this stuff, and the type of abuse and vitriol flying around on social media, I mean, that hasn't changed one bit. If anything, that's gotten worse, I'd say.
0: Yeah. Or just for hosting you, I know I'll get screamed at. And it's typically by people who have got children going through these things. So I do have sympathy for them because obviously it's such a difficult position to be in when it's your children. And and, and all of that. I suppose where, where I've always had an issue with it, I have an issue with all kinds of magical thinking and cult thinking and that kind of thing and uh, when when you've got like uh, two things that don't quite make sense and I think you were just saying Boris said there are differences between men and women. If anything to me that is an argument for trans ideology in a sense because we're being told two different things uh, by woke culture. One is that we are the, exactly the same men and women and then we're also being told that we're so different that if one is born in the wrong body and feels like the other, that it makes them want to end their own lives uh, because it's so difficult. To, you know, that's how different we are. That, do, you, do you know what I mean? Just that that contradiction.
1: I think this is partly the cause of the conflation between the ideas of sex and gender. I mean, I mean those terms are used interchangeably nowadays. And, and what I would always say in support is we should support people being gender atypical. Um, We're all a mixture of masculine and feminine traits and characteristics. Um, There shouldn't be anything wrong with a more masculine girl or a more feminine boy. But the the crucial thing is that one's hobbies, interests, dress sense, music taste, outward presentation doesn't make one jot of difference to one's biological sex because that can never change. Um, But we've conflated these things now. and, you know, I've I literally just watched Netflix's recent documentary on a, a trans kid in Australia, looking at their journey. And this kid at nine years old is saying, um, I was assigned the sex of male at birth, but I know deep down that I'm a woman. And, and we're going along with this. And we're saying to these children, OK, well, if you feel that way, here's some hormones. And later on, you can have some surgery to boot.
0: I think one of the biggest issues I've got with it is, is this idea that if I were to have a son or a daughter, that, that, that if they were to do something that wasn't typical of their stereotypical gender, you know, hobbies or whatever, then they'd they'd be made to feel they are in the wrong body or whatever. I I want any daughter of mine to be as typically, or, you know, blokey as they want or, or, or vice versa. Well, Well,
1: this is it. And that's actually, that's the liberal idea. You know, um, I, Liberals were saying for ages that uh, we're we're trying to move away from these regressive stereotypes. But actually, we've we've gone right back to them again. And I come across teaching materials that suggest to young boys that if they like the color pink or flowers, they might be trapped in the wrong body. I mean, you can't get more stereotypical and regressive than that.
0: It's like nineteen fifties conservatism. It, it, it really is. It's really how can they not see that that is so backwards? And I don't. I don't. I'm very different on the political spectrum to Matt Walsh, but I watched his documentary about it. And I, the one thing I've never found anybody able to answer was that question at the centre of his film, which is like, what, what is what is a woman? You are somebody, right? Oh, you identify as a you're a man, but you identify as a woman. Okay, next question, what is a woman? And not a single person in his documentary or a single person that I've ever encountered, because I've asked this a few times to people, has ever had any kind of answer except they just say a social construct. Like I go, no no, but what is it? And if it really means long hair and boobs and and making cakes, this is a really conservative idea, isn't it?
1: I mean, I've, I've come across worse than that all night. I've seen I've seen trans activists state that being a woman is studying an arts degree. And I, I once saw an individual saying that they first realised that they were a woman when they liked to wear, um, they called it sexy kitten ears, like those ears that you can wear. Um, oh, my God. So, uh, but very, very bizarre. But, you know, kind of from a therapeutic, uh, existential perspective, no one can truly understand what it's like to be in someone else's head or in someone else's body. But by the same token, if you're born, if you're a man, you know, male or female, you, you can never understand truly what it is like to be the other sex. You can empathize and you can imagine it. But when we've got these young children, these young boys saying, I know that I'm a girl, philosophy therapy would tell us otherwise because you can never know what it's like to be inside someone else's body and have their experience you know this whole it's funny this whole idea of lived experience flies in the face of this ideology when you break it down in that way
0: yeah (laughs) that's a good point actually i mean for me i've always i've always felt and i've said this before just that i don't really feel like a man or a woman i just sort of am and i be and i do and I have man things on me that affect my perspective and and whatever it's very hard for me to understand I mean but do you have sympathy for adults who want to go through a sex change well not that you can actually change your sex obviously
1: so so I've got a huge amount of empathy towards both adults and children struggling with gender dysphoria it's a it's a debilitating mental health condition i can only begin to imagine how it feels to have that disconnect between how you feel and, and, and what you actually are um but again from an ethical therapeutic perspective we should be treating this the same way as any other mental health condition and for other mental health conditions we don't affirm people down a, a pathway you know, if somebody comes into the therapist's room and says, I'm terribly obese, I hate my body. Um, the therapist's job is not to say, yes, actually you are terribly obese and ugly and have you thought about liposuction? And yet we're, we're, we're in, in effect doing that for gender dysphoria. People are saying they don't like their bodies. Young girls are saying they don't like their breasts. And they're being encouraged to take hormones and eventually go on and have double mastectomies. I mean, it, it flies in the face of things like the Hippocratic Oath as far as I'm concerned what if it makes them happier well again that's an interesting concept and we have to think from an ethical therapeutic standpoint you know is happiness the end point or is reality the end point so for example there are other types of mental health condition where people can develop delusional thinking and arguably for some of them in the moments when they're going through these delusions um, or hearing these voices having these fantasies they are happier they like how it makes them feel but it's not real it's not reality and society's job is to help people to live through reality and what their existence actually is so on that basis alone i would say that happiness isn't the sole marker by which we should be measuring this but at the end of the day i think a lot of people have been sold a bit of a myth here and that this is some sort of silver bullet that will make them feel better and i speak to detransitioners who are left with the scars to show for it. You know, I, I spoke to a, a detransitioner called Richie um, recently. I had an interview with him, and he had his penis removed. And you know, he recalls talking about the moment that he woke up from the surgery and thought, What the fuck have I just done to myself? Oh. And he is suffering the consequence of this mentally and physically every day and will do so for the rest of his life. Man. Um, how do how do we stop? I mean,
0: should we be stopping this from happening? Is it still happening to children in the UK?
1: In, in the UK, children can get puberty blockers, um, which can cause changes and impact on bone development and brain growth. Um, children can avail of cross-sex hormones, which can leave them, in certain cases, infertile. So this is happening. Surgery in the UK it is not currently done until 18 and over, but um, an organization called the World Professional Association for Transgender Health has recently released some guidelines, and they suggest removing all age limits for these surgeries so that children as young as 10, 11 years old could have their penis removed or their breasts removed. I mean, it's it, it flies in the face of child safeguarding. <sighs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just so, astan- I'm so like,
0: frust- I do get frustrated by this whole thing. Is there is there a link here? And I know that I'm in controversial terrain here, but I've heard it so many times it would, it would be mad not to mention it, but is there a link between autism and trans identity?
1: Significant link. And there's various research papers showing that very, very high comorbidity rate and links with things like, Um, trauma, previous trauma, previous bullying, links with internalized homophobia and a message that is existing unfortunately today in certain communities, certain cultures in which there are parents out there, it seems, who would rather that their kid was straight and trapped in the wrong body than gay. And the truth of it is that most uh, children with gender dysphoria will settle into themselves and eventually grow up as gay adults. Um, So the argument actually is that this is a form of conversion therapy. We're basically converting, you know, healthy gay young people into straight trans people.
0: And what is the impact of gender ideology on education?
1: Well, all of these ideologies are interlinked, Um, you know, whether it's gender ideology, whether it's critical race theory, but ultimately has the effect of infringing upon open debate and and freedom of speech. I mean, you know, my case is the perfect example of that. Uh, It's it's really quite concerning when an educational institute that's meant to be um, teaching therapy, which is all about discussing complex, sensitive topics you know, uh, it just shuts down a student who's trying to speak out about this. And I, I'm often reached out to by other trainee therapists on these courses, and they tell me that they're far too scared to speak out about how they feel, because they fear that this is the exact same thing is going to happen to them as well. So it's just shutting down the conversation.
0: It's been a year and a half since you was, you know, you had your, your contract terminated. What what happened next? Have you been able to get back in there or anything?
1: Uh, no, I mean, to this day, I've never had a single conversation with them. I'm, I'm taking them to court now because it was the only resort, you know. And I I, I practiced this a little way before, and litigation for me should always be the last resort. But for so many of us, unfortunately, it's the only resort. So I'm I'm taking a case against both my Institute and one of the main therapy regulatory bodies in the UK. Um, it's a case before the employment tribunal for discrimination on the basis of my beliefs. And that's working its way through the system. It's, uh, it's going to go to trial, I hope it'll go to trial at some point next year. Um, I've had to crowdfund the money, you know, from complete strangers because how expensive this litigation is. But thanks to the generosity of 1000s of complete strangers, it's enabled me to bring this case and i'm I'm very grateful that i have that opportunity to seek justice with this it really is a
0: quite remarkable thing because i try to stay quite neutral in these things i try to play the role of you know the neutral presenter who's not getting involved so nobody shouts at me but what we're talking about here i mean exactly you talk about um discrimination on the basis of your beliefs and your beliefs are not you know we need to murder all the the certain minority we need to round people up and put them in chambers we need to it, it's even stop these people coming in from over there your belief is simply uh that that sex is binary and 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 that if that is the case which i think i i guess most medical professions professionals would would agree <laughs> um then what they're doing to children is is terrible and you're just fighting for that do you, do you know do you know like who these people are who have terminated your contract Do you actually do you sort of know who they are and you could see who they are on Twitter or anything like that? Or are they just like so, sort of opaque and you can't get to them? Uh,
1: I, I was going to a relatively small institution. So I, I know these people. I've had dialogue with them in the past. Um, a, a loss of what went on only came to light because, because I was never provided with any evidence. Right, You have to bear in mind that I wasn't sent the policies. I wasn't sent the evidence of the complaints. I was sent this two-paragraph email and then blocked. Um they breached all of their own policies as part of this because I never had a hearing, I never had an appeal, I never had a conversation. But um, you know, the law has its uses, and I put in what's called a, D- a data subject access request. You know, requesting my personal data. Anyone can do this, um, and I uncovered swathes of emails showing exactly what was going on in the background, and that's informed the case that I'm now bringing. So I have to thank data protection law um, for that, hmm. um, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's crazy. And I think a lot of these, a lot of these individuals in these organisations, I think they believe that they're untouchable. And they, they they don't even stop to think about how what they're saying, what they're writing might come across to somebody else. They never think it's going to see the light of day. And then, you know, all of a sudden, I've got their emails in my hand and I can see exactly what they've been saying about me in the background. And, you know, this is going what to be... What kind of thing? Um, Well, the the therapy regulatory body were actually a later addition to the case, Um, and that was because I came across emails between them and my university institute, basically them putting some sort of pressure, it would appear, on my university to do something about me. They basically sent an email along the lines of saying, we're very concerned about this student, you know, and if you read between the lines, you know, what are you gonna do about it? um so that only came about from that uh, data request um and i you know i still can't get over the fact they publicized on twitter i mean wh- educational institutions have a duty of care towards students and it's it's written into the bloody policy that they're meant to encourage uh free and open debate i mean the, the entire point of studying um is to debate and to grow and your, your understanding and, I just think it's i think it's it's madness and i you know if that's happening in postgraduate education what the hell is going on in primary and secondary schools yeah yeah
0: i'd love to get into these guys minds and go like what were you or just sit them down and go what were you thinking here especially with this sort of yeah i suppose it was a triumphant uh public publication of it on twitter and all that you know showing off their virtue and stuff you're supposed to be professionals supposed to be like looking out for individuals i mean that's the whole business i just i'm just absolutely flabbergasted when will we know if you've won your case when is it
1: there's not a date yet, because we've been tied up in lots of preliminary issues, as is often the case. Um, so the next few months are a bit uncertain. But it, I mean, it, it's all going in the right direction. And, and as things stand as as today's date, this is going to a full trial against both of those organisations. It's just a matter of when. Um, mm. So I, I hope it will be next year at some point, I, I will need to keep raising money because this stuff is is expensive. So I'm, I'm, I'm reliant on, on the generosity of people Um, But because of that, it's become about much more than just getting my own personal justice, you know, I I want to make sure that this never happens to another student again. I want to send a message to universities and educational institutions that if you try and shut down the free speech of your students, if you discriminate against them based on their beliefs, um, you'll pay the consequences. Yeah, the arrogance of it.
0: Take us through a, some of the things that are being taught, I mean uh, in schools, just to, just to, you know, to children, uh, some of the things, maybe the most more egregious sort of, uh, I suppose, anti-scientific things.
1: Well, there's the common trope now that um, sex is assigned at birth, which is, you know, scientifically, factually incorrect. I saw come across materials for primary school age. Children, um, and I came across one in particular that said it's like a coloring book. Um, and it says the doctor took a guess at your sex when you were born, maybe he made a mistake. I mean, oh, just, that reminds- what, what message is that putting into a, a young, vulnerable child's mind? You've got the pronoun business as well, you've got the flags. There's one page I've publicized on my Twitter recently, it's a page listing out all the various flags. A pansexual, transsexual, non-binary, all multicolored and rainbow and all looks very bright and sparkly and then you've got a box for straight and a box for cis uh, gender um, and they're just white blank boxes there's nothing in and it, it, it could not be sending a more clear message to a young child looking at that which is basically if you are happy in your body if you're straight you're boring you're uncool um yeah and then it gets snuck in through the back door. I came across a teaching lesson plan for um, a confusing class for secondary school students. And the purpose of the lesson is to talk about confusing language and coding, which is binary confusing language. And teachers are instructed to make a comparison between binary confusing language and non-binary human gender. You know, it's literally been on the radar in places in that it's irrelevant. And then I've, just one more example, I've come across history materials suggesting that Joan of Arc was actually trans you know it's literally the re-rising of history. it's crazy
0: Great. yeah it Great. does my head and it actually does my head in a bit and I, you know what I resent more than anything and I, I think all of us do especially you know many of us who are classic liberals for in terms of you know let people do what they want to do that kind of thing is you end up being sort of painted as this bigoted whatever you know you're the bad guy now and i really resent that I, I you know especially when we're sitting here from from our point of view going like you know just we just want what was it it was bertrand bertrand russell i think it is he had this great great quote that I'm, i i can't remember exactly how it was but just you know always it was something like go you know always go with truth and, and science and objectivity not what you think would be good for society were it true and it just feels yeah. that too many people uh think they're helping and they're just so arrogant and so entitled so anyway i you know people please come together and help james to you know be able to afford his bloody legal fees and stuff because it's insane i can't imagine they must be just huge um and so support our guests please do there's a link in the side over there uh you've got his twitter and crowdjustice.com even if you just you know give a little bit or whatever it all starts to add up uh and then do you want to send i mean i guess your sub stack would you like people to go there on your twitter
1: yeah twitter and sub stacks where i post the most and look with the, with the crowdfund i appreciate that you know we're going through difficult times at the moment um so anything is appreciated um but i think for a lot of people who've donated to me it, it's a way for them to stand up for what they believe in particularly if they're not in a position themselves to actually speak out you know i get messages from people who say i'm I want to speak through you, through your case, because at this point in time, unfortunately, I'm too scared. We're not able to speak out in my workplace or amongst my family. Um, and just generally, I'm happy for people to also reach out to me personally. My my email address is on my Twitter. Always happy to hear from people who have concerns in this space because we have to we have to work together because the stakes are just far too high.
0: They certainly are, James. Thank you so much. Have a lovely evening. I don't have the tools to sort of knock you
1: off of here, but I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off anyway as myself.